I'm Caitlin. I'm Rachel. I'm Emmy. So it's fellowship time. That's the rumor. There's a fellowship, and there's a ring. Some elves are getting up to stuff, and I guess a few hobbits. I, li- I like hobbits. <laughs> I've always felt actually a good kinship with hobbits, because they eat and they drink. And sends him on a quest. Gandalf super doesn't really want Frodo to get out of the house. Suck it, Gandalf. Pipeweed? Pull up an armchair, grab a pipe and a pint from the green dragon. So you want to read Tolkien? Reading The Fellowship of the Ring. Okay, here we are, chapter 11. A Night in the Dark. Sounds so ominous. Which, of course, returns us to our most favorite of activities, walking. <laughs> we had just like a few chapters with no walking in it. We didn't we didn't know what to do. But now we have Strider with his mysterious long legs. Mm-hmm. This is true. Now that they have a, a character named Strider in their party, they have to get back to walking. But the thing <laughs> is, now that Strider's in their party, they walk so much further, so much faster. It's not just an entire chapter of walking. Things actually happen. Whoa. I know. It's wild. Uh, who's doing what? I'll take care of characters. Okay, I can do the short summary. You get to, it's a choose your own adventure short summary. So yes, characters in this chapter. We have quite a few of them, actually. Uh, so we, of course, have Frodo, Sam, Mary, and Pippin, our four hobbits, back to walking around. We have Strider, the mysterious long-legged ranger who now accompanies them. We have Black Riders, now five of them. Um... <laughs> I just read your note. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and my character description is, I got chills. They're multiplying because we have, you know, more of our creepy not friends. You didn't even try. You didn't do it right. Gosh. You didn't even try. I got to it and I was like, fuck, I don't even remember how I planned to do this. I got chills. They're multiplying. There you go. That's the correct way. Emmy should have done characters on Emmy should have done characters. <laughs> I missed my calling. All right. Look, I was so entertained when I wrote this an hour ago. <laughs> yeah, I'm entertained right now. Anyway, we actually have a return to Fatty Bulger. Uh, if you remember him, he is the hobbit who was left behind at Frodo's house in Buckland. And uh, back in Bree, we have Barleyman Butterbur, who's the owner of the Prancing Pony, Nob, and or Bob, who are, or is assistant at the prancing pony we have bill fernie who's just a real asshole of a human in gray <laughs> and then we have some more mention of gandalf uh he if you'll recall was supposed to return to join frodo on this whole adventure but he didn't and didn't turn up in Bree either so as uh, everyone's setting out things are, are a bit worrisome on the gandalf front uh, and what's fun about this chapter is we actually get a return to some of the characters from Legend, a.k.a. I got to bust out my copy of the Silmarillion again. Uh, shockingly enough, I forgot who all of these people are. All of them? <laughs> <laughs> not all of them. Uh, solid uh, 25%. That's not actually very many. Okay. Um, so we have Gilgalad, who was an elf and the last High King of the Noldor. And to to put that in reference, Gilgalad was the son of Fingen, who is the man who was in love with Maithros, Ma- <laughs> <laughs> who we called Maedros the entire entire time yep. we were doing the Silmarillion. Yeah, he's like it hurts me grandson of the original three. 
Yes. Of, yes. Like, Sorry, I had to do like generational math there, but yes, <laughs> yeah. grandson of the original three. Fingolfin? I believe so, yes. Yeah. Fingolfin? Uh, anyway, yep. He's pretty much the only one left standing. Pretty depressing. Or or he was 5,000 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no one's standing now. He is currently in this real world in which we stand. Um. Anyway, along with Gilglad, we hear about Elendil who is a human, the father of Isildur, king of Gondor and Arnor and some other places and stuff of the Dunedain. All that fun. Uh, most important here because he fought with Gilgalad in the last alliance against Sauron. Uh, so, yeah. Buddies fought together, died together. Cheerful stuff. We also have uh, Baron, who was a human who fell in love with Luthien and stole a Silmaril and died and came back from the dead and actually had a fairly happy rest of his life. Yeah. Which is rare for a legend. Yeah. Uh, and of course, we also have Luthien Tenuviel, who was an elf who fell in love with Baron and rescued him and helped steal Silmaril and became mortal to live out the end of her days with Baron, but also pretty happily. Yeah. They got the fuck out of there. Yep. So there's your, your refresher on important characters from the Silmarillion. And it was so fun getting to rehash all that. Sorry. Carry on. Nope. It's too late. It's over. Nothing else. End of podcast. Okay. Um so our short summary is Pretty short. We have our merry band plus our favorite ranger heading towards Rivendell across the country. Eventually, they come upon Weathertop, where they hope they will end up meeting up with Gandalf, or at least, you know, see him from above, because Aragorn has those eagle eyes. But then, instead, the Black Riders have gathered in pursuit. They attack at the top of Weathertop, and one of them manages to stab Frodo in the shoulder. Alternately, you know, our group is chased by Black Riders, and one stabs Frodo. That's that's it. That's the whole short, short summary. Considering how long my long summary is, like, geez. <laughs> a lot happens, but in terms of what's really important in progressing the story, it's pretty much like seven words. I was going to say, we're like, a lot happens, but when we talk about this book, we talk about how they walk and nothing happens. And yet here we are with four pages of notes. So the chapter opens on Fatty, who is having a rough time of it. Yeah, black riders. Yeah, black riders come knocking at his door in a really creepy manner. Now, I was <clears throat> listening to my audiobook on this one, and I was genuinely like freaked out by the way it was all put together, Ooh. and and like didn't remember this bit at all, and was concerned that he was actually going to die. But he doesn't. He does. He manages to sneak out the back door, make a run for it, um, alerting all of Buckland to the danger. The Black Riders, having confirmed that there's no Baggins and no Ring in the house, leave the Shire for now with a dire sort of Sauron will get them later thought. Doom. Yeah. Yep. So much doom in these books. Aragorn. Mm, you know what? I'm going to say Strider. <clears throat> I-, I looked up. He's never once referred to as Aragorn in this chapter. He's not, but like they know his name is Aragorn. But he prefers Strider. I just made that up. I'm actually not sure if that's true yet. I just kind of want to pay attention to who and when and where yeah. he gets called Aragorn. So Strider watches over the hobbits as they sleep. And in the morning, they wake to find that they were right to spend the night in the parlor. Their room has been ransacked and destroyed, which is what ransacked means. 
Anyways, <laughs> Butterbur is most upset that, you know, he let this happen in his inn. I mean, to be fair, that would be a really bad Yelp review. It would be. And, you know, those bolsters, they're ruined forever. All the, uh, okay, this is a total aside, but all the Yelp reviews for the hotel that I stayed at in Seattle basically called it Old and Haunted. <laughs> and, um, man, I did not need that thought in my head when I was staying in that hotel, because <laughs> fuck yes, that, that thing was haunted. <laughs> there was, oh my God. Anyways, uh, their ponies, and in fact, all the ponies and horses that were stabled at the inn are missing, and therefore, there is no way for them to get the super early start that they were hoping for. Mostly because they're like, yeah, I can totally carry enough stuff. No, not really. We need a pony. Yeah, they poor ponies, man. But even, even Strider's like, no, a pack horse would be better. Although he does admit that it's not going to, like, riding ponies aren't going to help them very much in the route that they are going. So Butterbur ends up having to buy a pony from Bill Fernie for them but everyone is generally upset that bill is making money off this when it is likely that he is the one who set the ponies free tolkien then goes off on a weird fate of the ponies and i guess butterbur tangent here and basically (laughs) it all comes out well in the end for both ponies and butterbur but why we needed to know that i don't know i guess it makes us feel better about bill Anyways, I'm, meanwhile, well, Mary is... Ex- I was just mm-hmm. so happy to hear that the ponies did not die because every pony in The Hobbit lost its, you know... Yeah, they got eaten a lot. Like they, yeah. So, you know. Maybe ones, that's why he felt the okay. need to wrap this one up. <laughs> he felt the need to be nice to ponies in this book. <laughs> he got enough flack the first time around. That's fair. So, meanwhile, Mary is excited that the delay means they can have a proper breakfast. So due to all the commotion, the party is forced to leave around 10 a.m. with the whole town watching, which obviously they were hoping to avoid. Um, the mysterious disappearing hobbits joining forces with the ranger Strider is basically the most interesting thing that Bree has ever seen. <laughs> so everybody comes out to watch them walk off. I cannot imagine living in such a boring time. <laughs> no kidding. Uh, on the way out of town, they pass by Bill's house and notice that the creepy southerner from two chapters ago is hiding in his house. Um, and Bill himself is standing in, in the yard, jeering at them as they leave. And Sam, the hero, throws an apple at his head. And it's real good, guys. It's real good. Very satisfying. The st- they stay on the road a while until they are well clear of the town and most of the people watching them. Then they cut into the wilderness for their off-roading adventure. Strider is still sure that Bill Fernie watched where they left the road, but there's really nothing they can do about it. They make their way toward Weathertop, and as we return to what this story is really about, <laughs> walking. Ambling. Meandering. Getting places on foot. <laughs> Anyways... So their cross-country route eventually takes them through the Midgewater Marshes, wherein we get the best line ever about the insects in the marshes, which, what do they live on when they can't get Hobbit? Which is <laughs> said by Sam in the book. And I can relate so much. Mosquitoes love me. Yeah. Ugh. No. Mm. Ouch. I had sympathy itches while reading this. Yeah. <laughs> you had sympathy itches. Um, where I live, we don't really have mosquitoes. Uh, Way to brag. I hate you. I would like to move somewhere where they don't have mosquitoes. We have, like, some. If you, if you leave, like, the city, then there are some, but not, not nearly as many as where I grew up. On their fourth night, after a miserable day of walking through the marsh, 
Frodo is lying down, unable to seep, and sees light flashing in the distance. Aragorn is watching it also and describes it like lightning that leaps up from the hilltops. Uh, it's coming from the direction they are heading, but they don't really know what it could be. And for once, it's what not one it of Tolkien's mysterious like things that don't actually end up meaning anything. Yeah. I'd actually, I'd actually completely forgotten about this bit, mm-hmm. and it wasn't until later in the chapter that I was like, "Oh shit, yeah, it was Gandalf. He's there fighting some rings." <laughs> Spoilers. Because in the movie, he's he goes from like, it, well, it's implied that he goes from. I'm getting way ahead of ourselves here, but whatever. But from Orthanc straight to Rivendell. Mm-hmm. And I had just completely forgotten that he actually does try to meet up with them. Yep. Uh, so on the on their fifth day out from Bree, they leave the marsh finally and get a good view of Weathertop and the hills surrounding it. And, okay, now I'm going to be a little bit nitpicky here. Okay. Um, Strider says that they will reach it if they go straight toward it by noon the next day. I just want everybody to keep that in mind because they don't. And it, uh. <laughs> Anyways, but with the possibility or, or um, Strider does seem very wary of approaching it as it is very close to the road and very visible. But with the possibility of meeting up with Gandalf, they continue toward it and make camp that night. The next day, Frodo talks about his general weight loss and makes an ill-timed joke about becoming a wraith. <laughs> and then they spend another night camping. I would like to refer to what I just said about reaching it the next day at noon. Doesn't happen. Well, I but guess they don't maybe go they straight didn't... to it. They go roundabout. I was going to say they have much shorter legs, maybe than they expected. They I don't have know. Tiny legs. There's just a lot of like timing things in this chapter that didn't make sense to me. Whatever, they're walking. Can you truly Badly. keep track of how long passes when you're walking? Strider can. <laughs> He's a fucking ranger. That's his whole thing. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Uh, in the morning, they find a path and take it, though it gives Mary a bad feeling. And he says it like feels like a barrow white path to him. Mm. Strider gives the hobbits some history on Weathertop, which was the watchtower of Amonsul that played some significance during the War of the Last Alliance. Or, no, the war before that against Angmar. And it is told that Elendil stood there watching for the coming of Gilgalad from the west in the days of the Last Alliance. It is now just a ruin on top of a hill. <laughs> well, R.I.P. everyone. Well, it's interesting just because, like, we hear so much about Elendil and Gilgalad, and in fact, having just read the Silmarillion, it gives some perspective on how long it has actually been. Mm-hmm. Not just time-wise, but also, like, how many, how much has changed. Right. How the country has changed. And again, it's that reminder that those are the stories of the elves for whom they are recent history, but for the rest of the world, yeah, it's ancient. Off. And the, the contrast of what the elves must feel. Yeah, exactly. Mary asks Strider who Gilgalad was, but it is Sam who answers with a couple verses about him. Does anybody want to read them? Yes. Uh, Sam suddenly lets out, Gilgalad was an elven king. Of him the harpers sadly sing, the last whose realm was fair and free between the mountains and the sea. His sword was long, his lance was keen, his shining helm afar was seen. The countless stars of heaven's field were mirrored in his silver shield. But long ago he rode away, and where he dwelleth none can say, for into darkness fell his star 
in Mordor where the shadows are. And then when Sam stops, Mary says, don't stop. (laughs) (laughs) But then Sam says, that's all he knows. And that Bilbo taught it to him. Yeah. And that Sam had had always assumed that Bilbo wrote it. But Strider says that he didn't write it. He just must have translated them. But Strider still seems really impressed by this. Right. He comments on how it, right, it's the fall of Gilgalad is in an ancient tongue. And it's like, all right. Frodo speaks Quenya. Yeah. <laughs> yep. But I like Science. the idea that this is what Bilbo is doing with his life now. Taking all these ancient stories and making sure that they survive past yeah. the elves. Yeah. He's like Gutenberg. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, all right. So after uh, that stop for some poetry or angular <laughs> history, they reach uh, Weathertop around midday. There's no cover or anything while they make their way up, and they're basically just hoping no one sees them. What a good strategy, Flawless plan. Yeah. On the western side, they find a sheltered hollow and leave Sam and Pippin there with all their stuff while the other three go up to the ruins to look around. They get a good view of the area, and Strider finds a stone that is possibly marked with a sign from Gandalf. If so, he thinks it means that Gandalf was at Weathertop on October 3rd, which would coincidentally line up with the night they saw the lightning in the sky. Mm-hmm. I just, these signs were, you know, Gandalf's mark and then a three, which I would <laughs> never I would be like, there are three Gandalfs. <laughs> <laughs> and also, how do you know what day it is? I mean, like, I know you were how in are town they keeping and have been counting, but really? I don't know. Like, I know the date, even... If I don't look it up. Well, would you, okay, I'm like, would you know the date if the last time you saw it was a week ago? Maybe not, like, right away, but I could be like, okay, so if Monday was this and that was six days ago, then today must be this. And if there was nothing to break up how many days you've been in the wilderness, but walking? Well, they sleep. <laughs> yeah, they just have to remember, which would suck. How many but days But on the other hand, what else walking? do they have to remember? There's not a lot going on. The fact that they're not eating. I can 100% see how maybe Mary gets up every day and is like, okay, it's October 5th today, guys. We can do it. (laughs) You know? Next day, October 6th. We're getting closer. Fair. I just, I don't even know what date it is without looking at something that tells me. Oh, no. When I was in line for customs yesterday, (laughs) and I knew that they would ask me when I came down to Mm -hmm. America, I was like, Friday, which was the (laughs) shit. You know, like, yeah, and I had to pull up my phone. So, no, I agree. I just probably think that they're not quite as reliant on their phones as we are. Ugh, fine. <laughs> um, especially Strider, who spends most of his life in the wilderness or currently does. Um, so Mary asks how far Rivendell is, and Strider says it's probably a fortnight's journey from there, which angers me because earlier he said that for, that Weathertop was halfway between Bree and Rivendell and they've only been traveling for six days. Yeah, this is kind of weird. Look, no one ever put Tolkien in charge of coming up with the itinerary for his trips. I don't know, I'm they upset. might have, but... <laughs> so Frodo feels a little homesick hearing about how far they have to go and everything that's happened and just generally bitter about his situation, so he stares off down the road toward home where he spots two black specks going west on the road and then notices three going east to meet up with the two for a total of five. I got chills. He He finds 
hands this out to Strider, who immediately flings himself down on the ground and pulls Frodo down as well. Mary follows suit. All three crawl to the edge of the ruin to peek down. Strider confirms that it is indeed Black Riders because he has better sight than the hobbits. <laughs> and they creep back towards Sam and Pippin. And I really wish this had been included in the movie because them like crawling around on their stomachs <laughs> around the ruin. I don't That would have been hilarious. Yes. Uh, back at the shelter, Sam and Pippin found remains of others having camped there recently. And Strider goes around to take a look to see if he can suss out who it was, but finds that Sam and Pippin have walked all over the tracks and ruined everything. <laughs> yeah. That but sounds he does, about right. He does confirm that some have been made by heavy boots, which makes everyone think of the Black Riders' heavy boots. Which is so funny because I don't really picture them as having a form. So when they no. like, heavy boots, like, yeah, I guess, I guess they would probably tromp, but. But really, how do you know? How do you, you know, know that? The only reason I picture them as having heavy boots is because of the movie. Because you see a bit where where one gets off the horse and lands on these like True. metal, black metal boots. There's a proper if, flanking. Yeah, but if I hadn't seen the movie, I, I probably wouldn't picture them as having like a heavy weight to them. So that's that is indeed interesting. Uh Mary then asks Strider if the Black Riders can see and he goes on this long rant about how they can smell and they can kind of see shadows except at midday and blah 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 which also basically just means they can sort of. <laughs> um but they can definitely use other humans and animals to be spies for them. Um and they can also, oh, Sorry and you kind of jumped over the, the deliberation part, and I didn't know if you were segueing back to it, so I was going to segue you back to it. Well, I was just going to mention that okay. he says that the ring mm -hmm. can draw them. Yes. Which is kind of shitty to say, as it just makes Frodo feel even worse. Right. Poor Frodo. What deliberation were you talking about? Um, this part, this line here. Oh, okay. Um, before all that, they have some deliberation about whether or not they're going to stay the night where they are, since they saw the Black Riders around there, and there's some evidence of black riders in the area but eventually or but strider does decide that they will stay because if they move they will be very visible and there's really nowhere better for them to go before nightfall so strider has them light a fire as he knows the riders do not like fire sam thinks this is basically the same as waving a flag and asking the riders to come get them <laughs> i kind of agree yep and this makes me so mad mm. Right? Because that's just like the whole thing in the movie is like, you know, Sam and, and Mary and Pippin wake up and are like cooking, you know, bacon on a fire. And it's like just a whole setup to make Frodo seem smarter than them or whatever and say like, you know, put it out. And then the writers come. It's like, no, this was the choice All they made. And Sam, in fact, comments on exactly it. No. Yeah. Strider made this choice. Not unthinking hobbits stop making yeah. them seem foolish just to tell your stupid story of how frodo's better than everyone i even think that this makes it creepier that the riders found them because it means that they either already knew they were there and that strider was just like oh just light a fire it's gonna happen mm -hmm. you know so that <laughs> so that the riders didn't need to be drawn to them they already knew they were there mm -hmm. but which is definitely know. implied it's like well yeah. They're going to get us one way or another. We might as well choose where. 
So they settle into camp for the night, and Mary requests the story of Gilgalad. Um, but as that story concerns Sauron and Mordor, and things Strider would rather not think about right now while they've got Black Riders surrounding them, he says he will tell them the tale of Tenuviel. Valid. Uh, which is kind of a longer poem here in the chapter, so let's not read it all. It's okay, like, Especially. most of it is just, they fell in love. Yeah, it basically, the bit that he says details when Baron found Luthien in the woods, and then afterwards he sort of sums up the ending of their tale with how the wolf killed Baron and Luthien decided to die with him, although it kind of glosses over the fact that afterwards, like, that they came back from death and then lived out a relatively happy life. Like, it kind of implies that they both die, but then it also talks about their kid. So, I don't know. It was kind of a weird way to go into that story. But a lot of other characters that we recognize are mentioned quickly, like Thingol and Dior and everybody's favorite, Aaron. Yeah, Arendelle. I just, <laughs> God, I just blanked. Um, it's okay. Um, I'll let I'll let the audience in on a little secret of my struggle with uh, Elendil versus Arendelle. <laughs> Gosh, so many e-names. So many. And he mentions that the line of Luthien um, is said that her line, or it is said that her line shall never fail, that Elrond of Rivendell is of that kin. And while he's talking about this and how also of Arendelle came the kings of Numenor, there's this moment where, you know, the stars are behind Strider and he looks very majestic when talking about this thing. But... <laughs> This I'm, I'm just, sure it's just coincidence. Yeah, but just with the knowledge of who everybody is and what's to come, this sort of thing just drives home that him and Arwen are kind of related. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I know it's like yeah. super distantly. Especially on his side. Yeah, especially on his side. But it just, it, like he's just thinking about the line that they both come from. I don't know. Anyways, maybe that's just me. Actually, and I recall it being you who was like, no, it's super distant when I was like, wait a second. <laughs> I don't, I actually, you know, as previously discussed in previous books, they could be closer related and it wouldn't bother me. I just think it's funny <laughs> that he's kind of <laughs> trying We've never attention talked about to that it before. here. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, so... Throughout all that, he does basically just sort of summarize the ending of the Silmarillion for us, and it makes me wonder why we read it. So not we really. could enjoy these bits. Yes, not really, obviously. <laughs> uh, I do like the Silmarillion. <laughs> After that, all seems quiet and calm until some hobbits sort of get up and take a walk around. Presumably, they're going to relieve themselves, but Tolkien is too polite to say that. <laughs> I don't know why else they would walk off into the dark alone. <laughs> Yeah. Anyways, so they go out and they get a look at some dark shapes approaching under the moonlight. And they hurry back and Strider tells them all to circle the fire and be ready with long sticks. <laughs> Assuming he means to light the sticks on fire and use the fire and blah, blah, blah. But I like he literally is just like eating the black riders long sticks. with sticks. Uh, terror overcomes them all, uh, but especially Frodo, who is struck with the need to put the ring on. Despite his past experience with it, and despite Gandalf's warnings, he just needs to slip it on his finger, and then he does. And as the riders approach, he gets his first good look at the ringwraiths, as I think of this forms of them. 
Oh, yeah. So he was able to see beneath their black wrappings. There were five tall figures, two standing on the lip of the dell, three advancing. In their white face, in their white faces burned keen and merciless eyes. Under their mantles were long gray robes. Upon their gray hairs were helms of silver. In their haggard hands were swords of steel. Their eyes fell on him and pierced him as they rushed towards him. They have faces, man. Uh, yeah. It's hard for me to and, imagine them with faces. And then, so, just to, the one that really comes towards Frodo was um, taller than the others. His hair was long and gleaming, and on his helm was a crown. In one hand, he held a long sword, and in the other, a knife. Both the knife and the hand that held it glowed with a pale light. And then Frodo kind of throws himself forward on the ground, crying out to Elvareth Gilthoniel, but is stabbed through the shoulder anyways by this wraith, because as we all know, the Vala are pretty useless. Yep. Or Frodo. Yep, 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 yep. Strider leaps in front of Frodo, wielding two burning sticks, and then Frodo manages to the ring off of his finger. And the chapter ends there. Will Frodo live? Literally everything happens in the last few pages. Well, there was some good stuff in the early. Mm-hmm. We got the I mean, history. there's good stuff. I like this chapter a lot. Just that everything that happens in this chapter really happens at the end. Yeah, all the action, I suppose, is at the end. Yeah. No, I do. I think this chapter is like one of my favorite fantasy tropes, which um, like the the Queen's Thief series, uh, Megan Whalen Turner, mm-hmm. with the whole plot of like storytelling yes. as sharing the lore of the world. Yeah, I really love the use of that as, you know, because it's like you, you want to tell it, but it's hard to not make it an info dump. But when you use that sort of story within a story thing, it, it you know, you, you can tell the story straight up without it being totally, yeah, throwing the information at the reader. And it's just, it's cool. I like the, I like reading it in this way compared to just reading The Silmarillion, which is cool too, but yeah. I like your desperate backpedal there, which uh, is cool, too. <laughs> yeah, I like them, too. I, I know the first time I read this book, I mostly just skipped them because I was mm-hmm. like, oh, my God, can we get back to the Yeah, plot? how long is this home again? <laughs> can we yeah. do stuff? Who are Baron and Luthien? But I do, I do, uh-huh. I, I like, I I own a book that is just the poems from Lord of the Rings, so I do like reading them on their own. You know what mm-hmm. this is? Growth. <laughs> <laughs> And and this time I am appreciating them more, but it's sort of like when I play a video game, how I rush through to the end and don't do many side quests. And then if I replay it, I'll do all the mm-hmm. side quests. Yep. So, so like that first time I yeah. read the book. I got I just... to do all the Dragon Age side quests, yeah. the Origins ones. <laughs> so we get you. Yeah, I, I really liked this chapter. I guess my, my question was, you know, if, if we're using this story within a story thing to share this bit of the world assuming that you know people have never read the Silmarillion and don't know these stories why do we pick these stories to tell in this chapter you know is it unique to Strider are we just trying to show how you know cool he is (laughs) (laughs) well I think like the story of Baron and Luthien is obviously echoed in Aragorn's life Mm -hmm. so I think that's foreshadowing. Why, yeah, why Does he it, decides to tell that story. Yeah. So do you think it was in this chapter just because it's like, hey, we're walking, it's a good time to put it? Or I think if Aragorn was gonna tell a story, like that would be the story he would tell. Mm-hmm. Just because it's probably what weighs on his mind. Mm-hmm. And I feel like 
Tolkien is the type of person who wouldn't think what will serve the story best. He would think what would the characters say here. That's you know fair. what I mean? Mm-hmm. The the Gilgalad story was definitely more of a, you know, this relates to the surrounding geography and to what's happening right now and that sort of thing. Yeah, I think they do. They do both definitely just uh, call to the the ancientness of these stories that are then coming around again with this enemy, right? Yeah. That they, all, all the old is new again, right? Gil- Gilgalad and um, Elendil's last stand against Sauron, and then, you know, Baron and Luthien are now, quote-unquote, born again in Erwin and Aragorn. Yeah, so- and it did give the chance for Aragorn to have his sort of descended from... Mm-hmm. Baron and Luthien and the Kings of Numenor moment. Not that we know that yet. <laughs> Although it's it's nice, like the pieces are kind of there, right? Yeah, definitely. If you were if you read the poem and heard him say this and didn't skip over all of the poems in the book some <laughs> fourteen year olds did. Mm-hmm. Um you could definitely put it together. I genuinely do not remember if I did or not. I'm not really a putting together type of reader. Yeah. Like, I, I don't generally even try to. I like to be, mm-hmm. you know, I like to learn with the characters. Me too, definitely. So. No. I want to be smarter than the characters. I, I don't to even each know their if, own. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know if it's that so much as I'm just, I don't turn on that part of my brain. I just read the words in front of me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? When I'm At least the first time I read a book. Yeah. No, I like agree. It. Or maybe I'm dumb. No, I'm That's, I'm with you. I mean, it's a good possibility. Por que no los dos? I guess my favorite bits in this chapter were the, the fatty bulger bit at the beginning because it was super creepy. Mm-hmm. And he was kind of badass. We left him yeah. behind and I felt a little bad for him, but he pulled it together here. I mean, to, and I, to be fair, he just ran and screamed at other hobbits like, I don't have it. And they yeah, eventually know, were like, well, something's he, wrong. He managed to figure out, he, like, the entire day, he's like, I have a really bad feeling. And then he saw a shadow, and he was like, nope, nope, getting the fuck out of here. And he bolted. Not many people have outrun the Black Riders on purpose. I did also like that apparently the Booklanders have warning horns. Mm-hmm. I know. What's up with that? Uh, well, the Booklanders are, you know, different than the other hobbits. They're... You know, on the borders, across the river, sort of separated from the rest of the Shire. Some weird shit in that forest. Yeah. So I can see where they would have kind of a, maybe a patrol or something that the rest of the Shire would never even think to bother with. Yeah. But I I give them credit for actually blowing it at Fatty's bequest because they mentioned, right, they had not been sounded for a hundred years since the fell winter. Yeah. And the wolves. Yeah. So... I, I really liked that bit. It was really well done mm-hmm. and set out a level of tension for the rest of the chapter. Yeah. Yeah, I was totally not expecting it. Um, it's nice that like how this chapter, um, how last one ended in my book was at the end of a right side page. So I truly had no, I hadn't looked at the next one at all. Right. And so it's just a, a, a neat little shift back that then helps bring everything together when the writer's approach yeah and then it it kind of is mirrored i suppose when when frodo puts on the rings and get his, gets his first really good look at them mm-hmm. and it's also super creepy and and like they have these completely different forms under their robes mm-hmm. the 
And again, with some good foreshadowing with the one that's wearing the crown being the one that stabs him. Yep. This was a well-built chapter, even with all the walking. I think in the next one, we get some fast horseback riding. Mm -hmm. Speed. And I am excited for that. And that is, of course, everyone's homework for next week. Flight to the Ford, I think. Yeah, Flight to the Ford. Chapter 12. 12, sure. (laughs) Chapter XII, in fact. Making so much progress, guys. I could not come up with anything snarky to say to that. (laughs) So if you have anything to say about Chapter 11, A Knife in the Dark, please email us at wanttoreadtolkien at gmail.com or tweet at us at toreadtolkien. If you like what you hear from us please feel free to leave a review on apple podcasts or any other podcasting platforms that allow for reviews i honestly don't even know and i think that is it for this week also tell me what other characters names you forget because man everyone we're we're having a little bit of trouble here now i know too many with rachel on twitter about how you forget everybody from the Silmarillion and or merge them into one. Yeah, that's it. Like, out, I forgot who Elendil in. was because I now have all these other names in my head. And I was like, oh, wait, no, this is one I already knew. What's the, oh, never mind. I remembered when I was going to ask. I was like, I couldn't remember. Oh, shit. What's Feanor's dad's name? Mm-hmm. Starts with an F. It's not Fingolfin Finarfin. Finway. 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 I like it. I like Sometimes it. I randomly sit around trying to remember all of the, the F people's names and I can't, I don't, I, nope. What happened? <laughs> There's a fun game to play in your spare time. <laughs> if someone could find a drinking game about that. Anyways, let's finish signing off. I'm Caitlin. I'm Rachel. And I'm Emmy. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.